The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, this is Galen McDowell. I am the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Uh, I've been interviewing people um, all year who I feel uh, are making a positive impact in the world with their work in the spiritual, inspirational, motivational, self-help worlds. And today I have another person whose work greatly impacted me many years ago when I became exposed to his work. And I want to give you all an opportunity to be exposed to his work as well and also to nudge him to do some more work. So <laughs> today, uh, my, <laughs> today uh, my guest is a unity minister and author of the book, Wisdom for a Lifetime, How to Get the Bible Off the Shelf and Into Your Hands, the Reverend Alden Studebaker. How you doing there, Reverend Alden? I'm doing great, Galen. It's so good to uh, talk with you this morning. Beautiful, beautiful. So before we get into the digging into the book, because I really want to ask some really good questions about the book and then open the floor up and give people an opportunity to ask you questions if we have some callers that are listening uh, that are willing to call in live. And that's a wink, wink to everybody that's listening live, uh, because I know a lot of people listen to the show later on podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Google and Stitcher and Spotify and Podbean and all those different uh, podcast apps. But if you're listening live, I would love to hear you call in and ask some questions about the Bible, uh, the metaphysical Bible interpretation, uh, how to study the Bible, things of that nature, so we can do what we do. So anyway, uh, uh, could you give people a little bit about your background and and how you got up to um, writing the book, Wisdom for a Lifetime? Oh, the glance of Galen. Um, you know, I I was raised in what you would call kind of um <clears throat> nominally Christian family. Uh, my mother was from the Congregational Church, my dad was a Lutheran. They weren't big practitioners of those churches, so we kind of bounced around a bit when I was a young kid, uh, to to different uh, Protestant churches, eventually the Unitarian Church. And um we um i was i was born not far from you there over in east chicago so i grew up in what people in indiana call the region you know right along lake michigan there near gary and uh when i was 10 my uh family moved to honolulu which was a huge move uh in so many ways and i don't have time here to tell you about all about it but when we went to hawaii um we started going to the unitarian church and um, after a while, uh, my brother was disabled. Um, he had a very serious birth defect and um, in a wheelchair, and he kind of looked different. And the Sunday school director from the Unitarian Church came to my parents and said, could you not bring him anymore? He makes the other kids feel bad. Not a very Unitarian kind of thing to do, but it kind of put my folks off. 
So we didn't go to church for a while. And then one day, my mother saw an ad for a lecture by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who wrote the classic book, Psycho-Cybernetics, and he was speaking at the Unity Church in Hawaii. She went there, was very impressed with their minister, Reverend Stan Hampson, started going to church. My dad went to church. My sisters went to church. My brother spent most of his time in Schreiner's Hospital, for that's where he was. But as a teenager, I was practicing my religion at the time, which is called the National Football League. <laughs> and in Hawaii, the games come on at 7 in the morning, which kind of keeps you out of church. And I remember it was February because the Super Bowl was done, and my mother said, what do you think about coming to church? It's not what you think it is. And I kept thinking, church, they're going to lay some big guilt trip on me. They're going to tell me I'm the worm of the dust. I've heard all that. I think it's bogus. So I came, and I sat in the back, and I listened to the minister, and I said, wow, that kind of makes some sense. And I kept coming back and coming back, sitting toward the back, until the Youth of Unity teenage group spotted me, invited me to one of their campouts, and I was in. And I've been in Unity now since I was 15. Now, in Unity, they don't have, like, confirmation classes so much, like when you reach a certain age, you know, and you get your confirmation Bible. And, and I had not really been ex exposed to the Bible. But my Lutheran grandmother, who, um, when she was 18, she was supposed to go off to the missions in China, got swept up by my grandfather, and they got married. But she stuck uh, as a very, very dignable Lutheran, sent me what I call my confirmation Bible. I still have it, a little black, red-letter edition, Revised Standard Version, um, and I started looking at this Bible, and I started reading it, and going, wow, there's some truth in this, and you know, it just sort of leapt off the page to me. So that was my introduction to the Bible, and you know, in Hawaii, you know, it's not what you would call, it might, it might be the most southern state in the Union, but it's not the Bible Belt, trust me. And... Uh, and so I um, I continued with my studies in unity, uh, eventually, you know, going on to get a degree in religion from a, a university and and uh, entered into the ministry. So I I got a, a, a very classical a university training for someone who would go into a seminary, who would go into a ministerial training, learned a lot about the Bible from my uh, professors, uh, learned some of the languages of the Bible. And that was kind of my introduction to things. And what led me to write the book, Wisdom for a Lifetime, came a little later, about, I'd say about 10 years after I was ordained. It was in the um, early um, 90s. I was an associate minister at the Unity Church in Bellevue, Washington, which is um, uh, suburban Seattle, or what I like to call Unity of Microsoft, because that's right down the street. And I was teaching this class, a basic Unity class, uh, at the time, it was called, you know, Old Testament Bible Interpretation. You have 10 weeks to teach Bible interpretation about the entire Old Testament, which is quite a challenge. <laughs> How do you do it? You know, and I kept thinking, you know, is there some kind of handbook or something somewhere that people can use to help them develop their own individual metaphysical interpretations of the scriptures? And I asked a bunch of my friends, I asked some of the teachers at Unity Village, and nobody really knew of any handbook, you know, a syllabus here or there, but nothing, 
nothing particularly um, that you just buy off the rack. And that was the, the, the that those were the seeds of my beginning this process of writing the book. And I, I uh, left the church, went on sabbatical um, with all three of my kids and my wife in Topeka, Kansas. So we ended up moving there. We had a family uh, family member who had a house to rent. And that's where I began to assemble this book. And uh, it has uh, was published 22 years ago. Um, it, it is, I guess, when you sell uh, 13,000 copies, I guess you can call it a bestseller, you know, which isn't bad for a Bible book. And um, I have the, the feedback I've gotten from colleagues and just people over the years uh, is how much they appreciate uh, what I was able to do to show them how to do it. Uh, and to talk about the Bible really from a literary point of view, not a literal, but how did it come to be written? What 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 elements um, helped to create the Bible that we're in there? What, what What's its background? What are you looking at? And uh, how can you then go about discerning the meaning of it in an allegorical or metaphysical way that has benefit in a transformative transformative sense for us individually. And that's and and I really think there's a need for that in the thought because we can get kind of distracted by all the other wonderful self help books that are out there and different practices and teachings and so on. But I our real core in New Thought is metaphysical interpretation of scripture. So that's a little of my, my background and how I came to that. Beautiful, beautiful. So before I can even offer callers, we have a caller that called in. So I'm going to bring the caller in, uh, Reverend Alden, and let him ask his question, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see here. Eric, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Do you have a question for Reverend Alden Studebaker? Yes, I have a quick question. My question is, I know that he's using this um, his, 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 his technique in the book, The Wisdom of a Lifetime, for the Bible, I was wondering, could you use that same technique for the Holy Quran? Could you do a metaphysical interpretation of the Holy Quran? Is there, can we? You're reverbing, Eric. Oh, hold on, let me turn yeah, it on. I don't see, yeah, I, I don't see why you couldn't apply the, the steps that you would go through with the older New Testament or Hebrew scriptures and Christian New Testament with any bit of scripture and uh you know certainly the quran which is you know a, a, you know a, a part of the you know islam a part of the group of religions of the book so to speak you know the hebrew new testament christian uh, hebrew old testament christian new testament and and the quran really um are all connected in in, in many ways and in you know in the book uh that i wrote i actually have a section about the quran and showing some of the the uh, ideas and connection between the what we call the Bible and and the Quran, and there's no reason why you couldn't apply that same method to the Quran. That'd be my best um, answer. All right. Well, okay. thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Eric, for the call. Much appreciated. Okay. Appreciate you both. Appreciate the great work. Keep up the great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. Um, in in the in the book The Wisdom for a Lifetime, you go a lot into how to study the Bible. 
And I have several questions I would love to ask you, so I'm going to start with this one. So they won't be in order of the chapters of your book, but I think it's important to have this conversation. So one of the uh, in in the book in chapter eight, everyone interprets the Bible. You go through, I believe, nine ways in which people interpret the Bible. And mm-hmm. my question is for the last two um, mm-hmm. uh, allegorical. And I'm not using the word verses, but it's really not verses, allegorical versus metaphysical, allegorical mm-hmm. and metaphysical, because I've had um, some vigorous debates. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Uh, before your book came out and your book g- gave me, uh, I would say, a little ammunition to debate mm-hmm. that allegorical interpretation and metaphysical interpretation as viewed in New Thought is not exactly the same. I would love to get your insight on how you wrote that and came to those conclusions and wrote them in the book. Yeah. I mean, allegory in a generic sense, you know, um, is, is not necessarily metaphysical, but it's the basis of metaphysical interpretation. Right. You know, um, an allegory, you know, um, we say it's raining cats and dogs. Okay. Perfect example of allegory. Is that metaphysical? No, it just means that it's pouring outside. Okay. Right. Right. Um, when we when we look at what is represented in scripture as allegory, that the people, places, and events represent something other than what you're reading, that's pure allegory. When you apply this, if I can use the word filter of spiritual principle. Psychology, what goes on in our consciousness, into the allegory in the Bible, that's when it starts to become metaphysical. That's when the character of Abraham suddenly represents faith in us, rather than simply Abraham representing something else in an allegorical sense. So they are distinct. Um, But allegory is kind of the, again, it's the underlying a bedrock of what becomes metaphysical and how we apply that that uh, spiritual view of the events of the Bible, the people of the Bible, to what's going on in us, what's going on in our consciousness, what's going on in my life, and how does that event or that something relate to me? And that's when we make that personal, spiritual, metaphysical connection to the stories. Got it. Got it. So when I would have these discussions, part of the reason why I would have them is I'm a big believer in language and language Mm -hmm. matters. The words you use and how you describe yourself matters. And I felt as though that and I still feel to somewhat that because of the, the word metaphysical is used sometimes in ways that make people uncomfortable, they Mm -hmm. discard the term and Mm -hmm. You know, I like get you know, person walks to the metaphysical books section in the bookstore. They're like, "Oh my God, what the heck is this?" That has not necessarily anything to do with what we do in New Thought, because nobody would go to a university and say they're teaching metaphysics. Uh, You know, (laughs) you know, let's run up out of here without understanding that it's a it's a branch of philosophy, and it's applied to the Bible through New Thought Mm -hmm. as a lens. Please go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, metaphysics you know goes back to Aristotle, 
and there's a whole branch of, of philosophy dealing with metaphysics. Literally, the term means to look beyond the physical. And that's essentially what we're doing when we do what we call metaphysical interpretation. We're looking beyond the obvious story or even the historical aspects of the story and saying, okay, now how does, how does this situation relate to what's going on in my life right now, 2020, you know, or whatever moment we find ourselves in. Um, and, the, and then the word metaphysical is often used in kind of a very broad sense to include things that we would not consider part of new thought. Right. Um, you know, uh, and when you walk into what's called, a, as you said, you walk into a metaphysical bookstore and you go, oh, my goodness, there's everything here. You know, it's just one of those, um, again, there's so many definitions for the term metaphysical that I think when we're talking about the Bible, we have to be specific and saying, well, this is what we really mean by this, uh, and this is how we're using the word. It doesn't mean we're into, you know, um, uh, putting a a crystal on my laptop when I want to write my next book because I know the energy is just going to go right into my laptop and I'll be able to write. You know, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but we get what I'm saying. It's, uh, that's real. Somebody will try that. <laughs> I know, and so, I, 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 I'm feeling bad already for saying that. Well, <laughs> we got a couple more cool, callers cool that call me in. Uh, that, so I do want to get to them before our first break. Let me just, let me bring them in really quickly. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Barbara, are you there, Barbara from Memphis? Yes. Hi, how you doing there, Barbara? Do you have a question for Reverend Alden Studebaker? Not at this time. I just want to listen. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. I have another we have another caller here. Let's see. Uh uh Sherry, are you there? Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi. Doing well about yourself. Good. Very good. Do you have a question? Yes. My question is um I have a a couple of questions, so I can call back in if I need to. Um my first question is what is the future of metaphysical Bible interpretation as you see it, uh, uh, Dr. Studebaker. And then, um, because I'm, I actively use your text, I, I do a um, metaphysical Bible hangout. And, uh, and so oh, yeah. all we do in that is um, interpret scripture. And I use your book as the um, outline to talk about how you do metaphysical interpretation. And so my mm-hmm. question is, is, what do you do with those words that that aren't necessarily defined by Fillmore uh, when you are developing your interpretations for reinsertion into the passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, of course, uh, you're probably using the metaphysical Bible dictionary, I imagine. And, uh, you know, you uh, did, um, that and also Jack Addington's uh, Hidden Mystery of Jack, the Bible. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Whenever um, you don't find something that someone else has, has already worked out, um, that's when you need to do your own your own work on it. And uh, for me, uh, I always look, and there is a, a, some of this in the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, is to look at the the actual word in Hebrew or Greek that's being used, and to look at the various um, other uh, definitions uh, for those terms, and to see if there's something you can work with there. And um, <clears throat> there's there's Bible software that you can use that can help you do that really quickly. 
Uh, also, Strong's Concordance of the Bible is another way of, of checking out, well, what does this word mean in other applications? And just to, just to play around with it and see if maybe something new comes to you that um, is, brings the insight you're kind of looking for. Um, there, that, that's, that's what I would recommend doing. Okay. Do you know if there was a methodology that Fillmore used for developing the metaphysical interpretations, or were they things that were just passed down to him and he just recorded them? I don't know the the whole um, history behind how he came up with everything. Um, I have heard in Unity lore that he had help with the Hebrew and Greek aspects of the metaphysical Bible dictionary, but... Um, I, I don't know the whole um, the whole history of it, um, other than the fact that we are so blessed with the work that he did. And um, you know, the Bible, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary is a one of a kind book. There's nothing else like it out there. And mm-hmm. to think that um, you know it is it has stood the test of time in the New Thought world, and uh, is still very uh, relevant today in our um, our journey forward. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And about to say, I know you got another question. Let, let's go, <laughs> let's go, ahead, let's go squeeze ahead, it out. Go ahead. I know, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to hog the conversation. No, no, that's so, okay. Go, go ahead and ask. We can <laughs> deal with this question before the break. Do we have a break at 10:29? Sherry. So the yeah. So the future. Uh, I'm I'm interested in in right. what he sees as as a future, and and particularly because I'm I you know it's us that are doing um, metaphysical interpretation as far as I know. There may be other people, but I haven't heard of them. And um, and I I feel like it's an art and a science that, you know, could die out on our watch if we don't take responsibility mm-hmm. for sharing yeah. it and passing it on. I, I think it's incumbent upon uh, ministries, um, Unity, um, CSL, and other independent New Thought churches, to find ways of bringing the new generation into metaphysical Bible understanding. And, you know, millennials, Gen Z, um, you know, they have a a different approach to religion in general than maybe we we did in in terms of attending churches. Um, I know this because I have three millennial children. And um, so I kind of count on watching what they do and, and listening to them. And I really think that um, we have an opportunity, particularly through technology, to hold classes and things through Zoom, through other uh, means, uh, in small groups. Because one thing I know about millennials is that they do like the more small group kind of work more so than the big Sunday morning church thing. Not that that isn't important, but they really gravitate to that. And the more we can figure out ways to show them how the Bible can be relevant to their life and that they can then begin to work on it themselves in their own spiritual path. I think that's the way that this can continue on beyond our generations. And I understand your concern about it kind of dying out. Back when I wrote this book, I was concerned about it dying out because of our being so enamored with whatever the latest book Deepak Chopra came out with, wonderful writer, I love his stuff, but we tend to put our energies into all this other stuff out here uh, on the periphery 
versus what our core teachings are. And I just think it's that is just what's so um, important, and it's imperative that we we, we uh, give this our attention and energy. So I think it's it's not going to be dead, but I think it needs maybe uh, revitalization in some way. Mm-hmm. 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 And the communities that you see doing metaph- – I know we're about to run out of time. The communities that you see doing metaphysical Bible interpretation, are there other communities around the world that are doing it besides us? As far as you um, know? You know, I, I, um, I look at a lot. I don't know uh, what goes on so much outside the United States and Canada, uh, but I think that um, – I'd have to I'd have to spend a little time with that to be honest, you know, and look around um, in, in in a worldwide web sense, take a look and see what's there. Um, you know, when you look at at um, when I look at other churches, um, you know, I don't always see metaphysical Bible classes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, uh, it, it's it's kind of hit and miss. Um, it's right. really whatever. That particular, I mean, there's so much autonomy within new thought that you don't always find what's being taught as consistently. Certainly the basic teachings of new thought, yeah. And in Unity, we talk about the five basic teachings of Unity. We even have a book about that. But Mm -hmm. uh, as far as Bible goes, um, it's kind of up to the individual spiritual leader, minister, whoever happens to be there what their inclinations are, what their Bible background is. And uh, it's it's very um, – it's all over the place. Let's put it that way. It's, um, right. it's very um, specific to that, that leader. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would definitely say we have – in about 40 seconds, we're going to have to take our break. So, um, I know. <laughs> so, so let, let me ask you a few questions. If you want to call back, please do. Uh, yeah, okay. Get your questions out. And I just want to shout out uh, 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 Reverend Alden. This is uh, Reverend Sher- Sherry James. She's the uh, leads um, a UFBO church, uh, Up Church, United, uh, Understanding Principles for Better Living Church in, in California. And she does a great wow. job teaching the Bible uh, on, uh, I think it's YouTube, is it YouTube or Zoom? Uh, yeah, Bible it's, Hangout. It's, uh, it's Zoom and then it, it uh, rebroadcasts on uh, YouTube. Yeah, so if, if you all need to look, look that up, if you all want to do a week-to-week drill down, uh, just look up yeah. Bible Hangout, and uh, she will uh, make sure you that California? you get some good stuff. Uh, Los Angeles or Inglewood. Okay. Inglewood. Yeah, I, I used to be a minister in L.A. years ago. Uh, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'll extend, okay. a little break. I'll extend an invitation to be a part of the uh, Bible Hangout one, uh, one evening. So. Okay, okay. Thank you. All right. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Today, my guest is author and Unity Minister, the Reverend Alden Studebaker. He is an expert in metaphysical Bible interpretation, which, is, as you all know from listening to this show, is really my thing. I love metaphysical Bible interpretation. I've done a whole series on this podcast on 
the metaphysical interpretation of like the Sermon on the Mount in the first chapter of Genesis. Go back and look in the archives. If you're new to this, go back and look through some of the work I've done on the Bible on this podcast. So uh, Reverend Alden, what I would like uh, for you to do is go through your four-step process um, to uh, or you, I believe you call it, I actually have the book in front of me, page 177. You call it the four-step process of metaphysical Bible interpretation. Um, could you explain what that is and how people can, how the metaphysical interpretation emerges from this four-step process? Well, I'd be glad to. It's really a, a very, you know, sort of logical approach to the Bible. And uh, you begin by deciding what you want to read. You know, um, what passage do you want do you want to study? And uh, so you look it up in uh, whatever version of the Bible you happen to be following. I do talk a lot about the different uh, English translations in the book uh, in a previous chapter. But uh, a lot of people today use the New Revised Standard Version, which is um, a very, very good one. And uh, so you pick what you want to study and you look, you read the verse over. A number of times till you start to get a feeling for it and then if there are words that kind of leap out at you that seem significant you then do a little bit of a study of those words by looking them up in uh, dictionaries Bible dictionaries are, are the best place to kind of get a feeling for them you want to look up um, a little bit about the passage in commentaries or any handbooks that you might have available to you to kind of get a good understanding of what's happening in the story in a historical sense and to kind of get a feeling for that. If there, if it happens to be in a certain location in, uh, in Palestine or, or the Middle East, you maybe look up the Bible Atlas to kind of see what that's about. But the idea in the first step is you want to get a very good understanding of what's going on in the scene. You want to really kind of get a, gri a grip on that because I think it's good to understand and when you're doing metaphysical interpretation, some people kind of leap ahead just to the interpretation. Um, but um, I really think it's, it's important to get a feel for the original intent of the Bible writers. You know, what were they, you know, what were their concerns? What, why did they write this? What's, what's kind of behind it? In, in kind of that original uh, audience that they're trying to reach. And then you want to spend some time looking at the various aspects in step two, the key words that really leap out at you, um, the names and places and objects and people uh, that are in the story. So you want to kind of identify who those are. Uh, also, uh, you, I, I talk about looking at the actions or the verbs you know what's what's taking place in in a in a movement kind of sense, and uh, this is not so typical of original metaphysical Bible interpreters. Uh, this is something that kind of came to me once when I was in uh, ministerial school. I was um, when you're in school, there's this this committee you meet called the Licensing and Ordination Committee. Um, I've been on both sides of it. It's always better to be on the committee than in front of it. <laughs> but yeah. I, you, you have to give a talk, you know, seven-minute talk, and then they sit down and talk to you. Well, I gave this um, metaphysical interpretation of the character of Abraham. 
and uh, you know, and 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 it was a prosperity talk, and I, I spoke to all the different things that I thought that he did that was very prosperity oriented and, and and connected to principle. I looked at the actions that he took, and the committee went totally berserk on me about because <laughs> they'd never heard anything like that, and. Um, as a result of that that meeting, uh, I was put on the Bible concerned list in ministerial school. <laughs> that was kind of, that was kind of funny, and and you see, I had tested out of Bible history class. I didn't even go to Bible history class in, in ministerial school because they said if you can get a B plus on the final exam at the beginning of the course, hey, you don't have to go to class. You just I just went in the library and wrote my paper. <laughs> So I ended up on the Bible concern list. That was kind of funny. I got my revenge in chapter 10 of my book. I'll just leave it at that. But I really think the actions that go, the the action that's going on in the Bible is as important as who's doing it. And so you look at the verbs or actions that are going on, and, and then really anything else that just kind of jumps out at you. So you're identifying all of this, and then in step three, you start to develop interpretations, and we have, as we mentioned earlier, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. It's an incredibly good resource to look up all of this, all of the people, all of the places, the place names particularly, uh, that are um, presented in the story we're looking at. And then really an English dictionary is, is helpful, too, uh, to look up the meanings of different words that kind of come to you. I also, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, looking at the original languages of the Bible doesn't mean we have to be a Hebrew or Greek scholar, but we can uh, look in Strong's Concordance of the Bible. Now, Strong's Concordance of the Bible been around for over 100 years. Uh, it's based on the King James Version, but um, it's still very useful. And so you can look at what the original Hebrew and Greek words, I mean, if it's the Old or New Testament, uh, to see what those words mean in many ways. And so you start going through all of the people, the nouns, the places, the verbs, and you do a little work on that and kind of do a little study on all those things in step three. So you're kind of, you know, building your your interpretation step by step till you get to step four. And this is where we allow the metaphysical meaning to come forth. And this involves uh, praying about it, meditating on it, thinking about how does this relate to my life? What is this uh, story? What is this? How, how can the story have more than just its original intent as its meaning? But what is the universal message that comes through that spans the generations? That is just as true back then as it is now, and vice versa. And so you just begin to work on. What does this mean? Look it up. Think about how the different states of consciousness relate to your own life. Is it about healing? Is it about improving your financial situation? And then you begin to use what we, we talked about before in chapter uh, – uh, I'm trying to remember all the chapters I wrote <laughs> chapter 8 about the different lenses of interpretation. I think it's chapter 8. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's chapter 8. Thank you. <laughs> I know your book. When you get up. This is, well, yeah, you probably know this a lot better than I do. Yeah, it's been it's been 25 years since I wrote it. So, but um, yeah, you you, you look at um, you look at the edit through the various lenses, and you know whether you're looking through the dramatic lens or you're looking through 
um, the prophetic lens or, or whatever to see, you know, what what comes out at you. And and then, you know, when we're, you know, we're all involved in this new thought metaphysical world, there are various themes that we are consistently working with, whether it's spiritual enlightenment, whether it's healing, whether it's abundance and prosperity, whatever it happens to be, what theme kind of overlay can we overlay on this story and make it more relevant in our lives? And uh, so it's, you know, this is where there's, there's no set way of exactly doing it other than to begin to see the spiritual allegory. I guess that's a way of seeing metaphysical in a way and um, how this story is totally about what we're going through. And, and that's when the Bible makes that personal connection to us. And when we do the whole idea behind the title of this book, Wisdom for a Lifetime, I did not come up with the title of this book. When I was writing this book, this is back when all the books for dummies were coming out in the early 90s. You know, Bible for dummies had already been taken, not very politically correct either. So, But I had working titles, and uh, it was my editor, Michael Madej from Unity Books, uh, a dear friend and, and colleague of mine. We went through ministerial school together who um, was – I think he was driving somewhere around Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I think the light came through the clouds, and all of a sudden it told him the name of my book is Wisdom for a Lifetime. And the whole idea is this. If you do the work of metaphysical interpretation, whether you use these four steps or not, or if you do, and you spend the time with Scripture, whether it's just a one-line piece out of the Bible or a full-blown story, and you do the work with this, you do the study, you look things up, and you come out with an interpretation on the end, that is wisdom that will stick with you for a lifetime because you'll remember it. The, 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 the mind will remember it. The cells of our brain will remember it. And when we get into a situation where we're feeling challenged or a situation where we need to bring some insight to our lives, to come up making decisions or whatever it is, those, that Bible story or those Bible verses will, be, will become relevant, will be right there to help you. So that's what this book's about. How can you do that? You know, and it's, I like to talk about it as being uh, like uh, eating a, an old-fashioned white bread, peanut butter, and jelly sandwich. And it's got to be white bread, not whole wheat. I don't eat that anymore, but whole wheat, uh, hot white bread, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. And, yeah. and you're sitting there going, where's a, where's a glass of milk? I need it. Yeah, wisdom for a lifetime is that peanut butter sandwich stuck to the roof of your mouth. That's good. That's good. So let me ask you, first of all, a couple of quick questions. Um, one, um, I know Unity at one point used to publish this book. If a person wanted to get a copy of it, you know, um, how could they get it? And do you have anything else coming down the pike? Yes. Um, the, the There was an initial run of the book. And um, that has completely um, sold out. Um, there are a number of copies uh, available used on Amazon uh, that you can you can get. Uh, if a person wants to buy a, a a clean copy, they can contact me. I have some that I bought uh, years ago, uh, a bunch of them, that I will sell to anyone, delivered and autographed. So you have to let me know. Uh, for $10 and until uh, I sell them out. Uh, 
And uh, all they have to do is go to my website, aldenstudebaker.com, and uh, go to the uh, – let me see what part of the page is that. It's on, I think, the last page of my uh, website, and I'm pulling that up right now. You just go to uh, News. You go to News, and it will explain how you can uh, order a book from me. Um, it is still available in ebook form. Uh, if you go to um, unity.org uh, and get into the book order section, you can buy it uh, from them, or you can go on Amazon and buy a Kindle version. Um, it's much, much less expensive, of course, in e-form. So it's available in that way. I am right now in the middle of producing a second edition, and this second edition is called Wisdom for a Lifetime in the 21st Century. And there's so much that has changed uh, in the 22 years since this book was published that uh, I'm taking this COVID-19 time out to spend time redoing the book. I am almost done with the first draft. I have people who are going to do some uh, editing work with me about it. Uh, my hope is, is that by this summer we will have a Kindle edition uh, out, including uh, also a paperback through Amazon. So that's my plan. And uh, I don't know what it'll end up costing at this point, but um, it, I'm updating everything in the book that is that is obsolete, uh, particularly the uh, electronic aspects of Bible study, which has changed incredibly since I began writing this book in 1994, as we all know. And uh, the resources that are available um, uh, on the Internet uh, are, 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 have really expanded a lot in terms of doing Bible study. Uh, it's to the point where, I'll tell you, I, I um, in preparing uh, Sunday lessons and things like that or, or, or classes, uh, I don't always pick up a, a physical Bible anymore. As much as I love the one my grandmother gave me, it's more of a personal kind of thing. Uh, I'll use, I'll use um, Internet and electronic sources for Scripture uh, as much as anything else today. And that's what's really changed a lot. Yes, 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 definitely. And, you know, um, I don't know if you knew her or not. Uh, did you, Were you uh, acquaintances or friends with the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin? Yes, yes. I, I spoke in her church uh, back yeah. in the, oh, God, what, in the late 90s, I think. I, I went down to Florida, and I met her, and I, and I did a, a Wednesday night at, at her church on my book. So I, I, she was a, a very sharp lady. I uh, enjoyed talking with her. Yeah, yeah. She loved your work. Uh, matter of fact, when I was in ministerial training, she made it uh, required. We had to go through the material. Um, so this was oh, one my. of the one of the books. She said, "Okay, I'm gonna teach you the method, but because you know, UFBL Universal Foundation for Better Living, you know, mm -hmm. we're one mm -hmm. of the you know main branches of New Thought that." emphasizes metaphysical Bible interpretation. All of our centers, study groups, et cetera, without mm -hmm. question, zero mm -hmm. in on the metaphysical Bible interpretation. And she just loved That's your wonderful. work. I mean, absolutely loved yeah. it. So uh, yeah. just shout out to her. She would be very happy that you're revising it right now to uh, meet the yes, needs of, of the modern uh, Bible student. So, Well, I think it's, uh, need, it's needed, you know, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, there's another question because we have about nine minutes or so left. And I, this question, I really have been waiting as my last or one of the last questions. 
So in the, early in the book, you mentioned uh, uh, about, you know, everybody has, you know, sometimes books that are almost acknowledged as scripture, even though we say that we might say they aren't, they really are. For example, uh, the in, in Centers for Spiritual Living, they have the book, The Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. I consider that their mm-hmm. scripture. I think they mm-hmm. would too. In the Unity Movement and in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, our secondary text is Lessons and Truth by H. Emily Cady. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk to some people that are in the divine science uh, uh, movement of new thought, they have their various Melinda Kramer books that are considered mandatory reading. And Joe Goldsmith's The Infinite Way, you know, mm-hmm. his primary Infinite Way book uh, is considered almost scripture. How does... How do you, you know, now that you've written, you know, you got 25 years to look back at writing that in the book. How do you view uh, new thought and what I would say, you know, uh, books that might be viewed as canon in our movement at this point? <laughs> Boy, I think that just depends who you talk with. Um, um yeah, I guess I'm I'm still kind of old school unity about lessons and truth. You know, we it was just so emphasized when I was in ministerial school and and in uh, my early days of study. You know, today, um, you know, the, the word scripture has a has a very, for lack of a better word, special meaning. And we use that word often, often uh, too much, but it's where you there's a reverence for what you're reading. You know that it, it stands the test of time, and so whatever your whatever book we might be talking about, it has to be something that's not a passing fancy, not just a fad, not just this is cool now and now I'm on to something else. It's something that, that's enduring. And 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 you know, lessons in truth. I think is still enduring in in many in many churches. You already mentioned that. Um, today, um, I don't know if I really have a good answer for you. Um, you know, it, it's um, we've had many many good writings. You know, the, the, I, I would say I don't know if I'd pick any one book, but I'll tell you, the writings of Eric Butterworth really are quite enduring almost almost any of his books like discover the power within you i I mean that's that's really stood the test of time um isn't that a book that oprah discovered when she was uh, in her early Early spiritual quest yeah yeah right i mean that i don't know that one kind of kind of jumps out a little bit um and we've I'll t- I'll tell you this. There's another book that's not Unity, but just seems to be very consistent. Not Unity book is the Four Agreements. I'll tell you um, that book is is is, is not just in Unity, but just in a, in, a, in a broader sense become very revered. And it's I guess there's a Fifth Agreement too, but the, the, the original Four Agreements book seems to be one that's uh, that's kind of has that quality and and very so practical and so meaningful in its uh, presentation it's you know yeah yeah um, yeah so you know so yeah. you know that's the it, it it was just a i asked the question because for me what you wrote 25 years ago about the different mm-hmm. groups 
that have their mm-hmm. quote unquote canon, sacred mm-hmm. writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew that I knew then that that would stand the test of time. For those of us who are more quote unquote uh, Charles and Myrtle, and Myrtle Fillmore based, Unity based, Fillmorean theology, some people would say mm-hmm. Unity metaphysics. Lessons and truth has stood the test of time. I know people who understand lessons and truth who really don't read Fillmore that much, but they read H.M. Mm-hmm. Lecady. And um, yeah. and with the Ernest Holmes, you know, Centers for Spiritual Living, the science mm-hmm. of mind is such a, first of all, the book is gigantic, so it looks like a Bible. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's quoted as such mm-hmm. in many of the centers, you know. Uh, Ernest Holmes said in Science of Mind page, it's studied that way. And yeah. and I would say, and I don't want to speak, I don't want to and can't speak for Ernest Holmes. I think it was some level of intention to say, let me make sure I put all my best stuff at the time mm-hmm. in one big book so people will have something exhaustive to study. Yeah. I actually wish that Charles Fillmore had done the same, to be honest right. with you, uh, right. because he seemed yeah, he to did. write more stream of consciousness. You know, like he the did. first chapter ain't got nothing to do with chapters two and, you know, like some yeah. books build no, no, on it, each it, other. It, you can tell his books it, don't. His books are not that readable. I mean, it, I'm going to pick one out. Twelve Powers of Man. Great idea. Not a great book. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It just, it, it, it's just it's like you need to interpret Charles Fillmore versus read. You, 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 you follow what I'm saying there. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've, you know, well, it, it's it's. um he he was who he was, and he he did a, he did he did a, a great service to us all. But I don't know if 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 I, I don't know if it was his, his his he didn't have as much literary training or, or whatever it was, but um, he did his best. And um, you know, many people have tried to kind of take his teachings and write books that kind of. Uh, helping that interpretation process. A number of, of our colleagues have done that, but um, you're right. Emily Cady, you know, is a much more practical, readable book, even though it's written in Victorian era English, and still requires a little bit of interpretation. But you get what she's saying, like boom, like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I often tell people when they want to know more about the Twelve Powers, because I did a whole series. Of, years ago when I first started this podcast mm-hmm. on the 12 powers and I would tell people then and I would tell them now the last book you should read on the 12 powers is Charles Fillmore's book uh, you know I recommend yeah. all the other books before you get there because if not you won't yeah. get the core concept uh, yeah. because you know so he'll write a chapter and barely talk about what the chapter is about because it's because it was it wasn't meant to be a book. It was different lectures, and it doesn't right. have a cohesiveness right. that goes along right. with what you would do when you're sitting down and say, "I'm writing a book." Um, so yeah, and, ma- and many of you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And 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 the one book that actually reads better, I don't know if it was written as a book, was Prosperity. Oh, that book you is know? excellent. And, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It flows. It really is. Yeah. It definitely flows from chapter to chapter. I think out yeah. of his books i think the most readable are prosperity and christian healing yeah. um you know uh matter of fact you read christian healing and you read jesus christ heals you might think it's two different authors like 
Yeah, right. <laughs> well, really, but if, you're study, if you're studying the 12 powers, you might start with Christian healing because he actually starts talking about some of them in there. Right, and, and, right. Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's much more fun. I think it's his most fundamental book. So anyway, mm-hmm. we're about to run out of time. Um, I wish we could have more time to chit-chat, but I wanted to make sure that people, one, got exposed to this work because I believe that if you're a Bible student out there, and even if you're not new thought and you just listen to this podcast because you like the information, um, I would strongly suggest getting the book Wisdom for a Lifetime by Alden Studebaker. He gave you his website. You can also get copies on Amazon. You can get electronic copies. Just walk around with it on your iPad or your phone or your computer and do what you need to do. Trust me when I tell you, uh, because I don't ever tell people to spend money that I haven't spent and to do stuff that I won't do or have not already done. Get this book. You want to make sure. And when you he gives the new edition, get both editions because you're getting the collective consciousness of all of these years of study. So I'm looking forward to to what you are going to produce this summer. I'm excited about it. When it comes out, maybe we can have another conversation about the the new book and its edition. So we have about 30 seconds left. So let me thank you for coming on the show. And, I, you know, I bless you in your in your new endeavors. Well, thank you, Galen. I really, I really had a good time talking with you and with all the people who called in. Um, I really appreciate uh, your interest in uh, Bible interpretation. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, helpful thing for all of us. But thank you all. So those who are listening live, I have a seminar that will be on our YouTube channel, CU Temple, and the Faith Christ Universal Temple Facebook page this Saturday at 12 o'clock. It's called New Thought. The Science of Mental and Spiritual Mastery, 12 o'clock Central Time. Check it out. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.